0: All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game,
1: or at least find out why he loves it so
0: much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Galpal Nation! Welcome to the Sports Galpal Podcast, where I help you understand why he screams at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Sports Pal, and of course on SportsGalpal.com. And Galpal Nation, can I tell you? Let us rejoice because this week, thank you, Lord Jesus, and all the sports gods, that college basketball is back. It is here. Super excited because, as you know, Galpal Nation, it has been a dreary college football season for me. It's been a so-so NFL season. But college basketball, my guest has my favorite team, number three in the country, and he knows his stuff. So let me tell you about how cool he is. He is the king of basketball analytics. He's the guy that, like ESPN, Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated – Any other sports site you can think of, including major coaches like Coach K at Duke, um, Brad Stevens when he was at Butler, and a bunch of other guys look to him and his site to give insights into opponents, into what they're doing, into trends. This guy makes math super cool. So guess what, kids? When your algebra teachers are like you're going to use math in real life, this guy actually does. So Ken Pomeroy is my guest today. Ken, welcome to the program.
1: Hey, Ramona. You sound pretty fired up. Thanks for having me on.
0: I am ridiculously excited you're on. I am a huge fan of your work. It's not just because that your work is brilliant and puts my team above any other rankings, but I just think what you do is so fascinating because you've taken something that has become really important, which is analytics, and you've made it accessible to us mere mortals. I even understand it, which is fantastic. Um, So I'm going to start my interview just like any other. How did you get into sports? Uh,
1: Well, you know, i been a fan and always loved college basketball and really the site was uh, for many years it was just kind of a hobby. Um, You know even before I started focusing on college basketball for a few years I was just kind of doing sports ratings. I fancied myself as a kind of an amateur Jeff Sagarin and I was ranking all sorts of odd sports like college lacrosse and amateur hockey and things like that. And and then you know I started reading a lot of cool uh, stuff about baseball uh, using advanced metrics and uh, I wasn't a huge baseball fan, but I really kind of had that, that was coming along. You know, it was about 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and I was looking around for people who were doing that for the sport I like, which is college hoops, obviously. And, you know, I looked and looked for a few months and, you know, never could really find anything. So I um, just kind of dove in on my own. Uh, didn't have a, a grand vision for, uh, you know, what ended up happening where I could kind of make my own, you know, living, doing this, um, you know, initially I just thought, you know, yeah, I'll probably have a small audience because there really was no competition and and that was the end of it. But, um, you know, over the past few years, it just kind of steadily grew and grew every year and finally got to the point where, uh, you know, fortunately I was able to, um, you know, kind of make a living from this. So uh, that's the uh, three-minute biography on how I got here.
0: It's a pretty cool story though. I mean, you're basically, I mean, are you a math geek? I mean, do you have to be a math geek to do the kind of things that you do? I mean, cause you get down to like some nitty gritty details.
1: You know, there are definitely people out there that are more classically trained in statistical matters than I am. Uh, I, in math, you know, I, when I took the SATs, I, you know, I rocked the math portion and I kind of bombed the verbal portion. Uh, you know, I'd rather do, you know, write code than read a book. Um, so, you know, I, Generally lean towards that area, um, but you know to under to understand it, to grasp the concepts. I mean, if you grasp basic basketball statistics, I don't think most of the stuff we're talking about, eyesight, uh, is not too far beyond that. We're still talking about things that are largely percentages or averages of something. But they're pretty basic. Concepts. It's just a matter of knowing, uh, you know, what those stats mean and kind of like what's normal and what's good in those stats. But uh, you don't need a an advanced math degree to understand it.
0: It's true, and I do appreciate that because I do not have an advanced math degree. I have a social science degree, um, so I do understand statistics and, you know, how to use them a lot because you do, like, various studies and you have to study things, but nothing like this, and, I mean, it's not just journalists that use this, but, you know, I was reading as I was preparing for the interview, you know, coaches have used this so much so that you were actually invited to um, speak with Coach K on his radio show once, which I think is awesome, though I don't like him because obviously I'm a UVA girl, um, <laughs> but let, let's be real. Um, um, but I do respect him as a coach, um, despite where he coaches. Um, but I mean, I think it's awesome. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, you know, I'll be honest, I'm the big coach K fan either, but, uh, the fact that he had me on me, on his uh, show, uh, definitely has, uh, has softened my stance towards him. Uh, has to be a pretty decent guy if he's willing to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, that's what, that's how things kind of took off really is that, um, coaches, I think, gave my work a lot of credibility. You know, initially, you know, I had kind of the odd media person express interest in, and kind of give my site a mention. But, you know, of course, there's always going to be people out there that uh, are skeptical of, of the value. But, you know, when, like, B reporters would go to their you know, coaches' press conferences and the coach would be talking to my name, well, then they kind of, was, you know, the onus was on them to kind of do a little research and figure out what the guy was talking about. And, and that really helped out a lot. So, uh, um, certainly, I, I owe coaches a tremendous um, uh, amount of uh, gratitude for, for helping me out and getting to, to where I am right now.
0: Yeah, so again, you were kind of this, you were a meteorologist in Utah, and you just created this site. Or Were you in Utah yet, or were you still in school? Like, when did it actually start?
1: You know, I think it was in Montana when the, really the, the initial parts of the site um, started coming together, uh, but I was a meteorologist, and that was, you know, part of the reason too, like, I was just, you know, kind of starting this you new. Know, As a meteorologist I was very excited about and happy and it was a lot of fun and so I'd never really that was part of the reason why initially you know there wasn't this like grand vision to to uh you know make this my uh my living it was uh you know just a kind of a fun hobby that I I did my spare time you know it's funny looking back on it because there'd be times where like I would you know go visit my parents over the holidays and I wouldn't you know I wouldn't have a laptop I wouldn't take my computer with me and the site just wouldn't update for like a week you know and uh that would kind of be unthinkable now but back then it kind of gives you an idea of how small my audience was or, and you know just kind of how primitive things were in the uh in the analytics world that you know you could go a week without updating the site and there'd be a little bit of grumbling but uh you know for the most part people just dealt with it
0: and now you'll have like crazy people like me going what what in the world can like where are our stats like we would probably is this still a one guy show or do you have people helping you?
1: No, it's mostly just me. Um, you know, there there are apps out there that have my my uh data on them as part of my subscription and uh you know, I've had third parties uh develop those apps for me. But as far as the web goes, it's it's mostly just me. Yeah, now, you know, I mean the site I, quite updating in real time, but pretty close. I mean, it doesn't wait till the end of the night anymore to update all the stats. You know, it updates as as information and box scores come in. And, you know, you see comments on Twitter from people when the site's sometimes a little bit slow to to get that information. You know, they're kind of grumbling about where's the the information. I mean, people actually take it pretty well, but it's definitely um, quite a bit different than when I first started out.
0: All right, let's talk about the um, status that you've got right now. So your top five, according to your, um, you know, for the overall, you got Duke number one, Kentucky number two, Virginia number three. Um, you can tell my bias. Uh, <laughs> number four, Kansas, and then five, Villanova. I mean, those are all classic um, schools. Like really, I'm looking at your top ten. No surprises: um, Arizona, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Wisconsin, and then Baylor. Colorado. Um, you know have you ever like do you look at like the beginning season like now and then when it gets to the end of like regular season because once again to the you know tournament time that gets a little funky you know how how good are you at really predicting you know the teams or is it just kind of like it just depends on injury it depends on who plays what I mean is it sometimes really a wide scale or
1: do you are you pretty spot on uh I mean there's you know, it's not perfect, of course You know, look, if you have perfect information at the beginning Of the season, uh, as you said There's injuries and just other unexpected Things that you couldn't possibly predict that uh, um, Will cause some issues uh, You know, I'd say Of the top 25 Maybe like 23 Or 24 will make the tournament Something like that um, uh, We should spot eligible teams Because SMU is in my top 25 And they're not eligible for postseason this year But uh, But that's, you know that's about how accurate it was. I mean, I actually had Duke number one at the beginning of last year as well. Um, and obviously they won the national title. That's not uh, to say that not patting myself on the back, but you know, for the most part, your national title team, is. it'd be pretty funny if, if the team that won the national title came from, say, outside the top 20, or if you had, you know, a one seed come from outside the top 20, even that, you know, it, that might happen like once every three or four years, but um For the most part, I mean, the rankings are not perfect, but they do give you a pretty good idea of kind of the general area, you know, for each of these teams. I mean, is Duke really the best team in the country right now? I mean, who knows? But, you know, it'd be pretty unthinkable to say they're not one of the seven or eight best teams right now. So uh, that's kind of how I think the preseason rankings should be.
0: Great. And, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of, um, you know, the analysts that are using their guts and they'll use like basis on, you know, again, because this show is all about teaching kind of non-sports fans about sports. So typically what happens, at least how I understand it with, with rankings and when, with reporters and coaches and everybody's ranking them, is that with preseason, they'll look at who's returning, they'll look at strength of schedule. Um, there is some bias to coaching in different programs. So right now, the majority of preseason rankings have like North Carolina or Maryland, number one, which I, I don't understand, particularly as North Carolina is facing without this page for the next uh, couple of weeks. And then um but they they kind of match your top ten. I mean, I'm looking at it going, there's nothing really surprising there. Um, you know, and again, you do have that one off, like again, no one was expecting, including me myself, though I enjoyed it um Virginia being like ranked number one in the NCAA tournament. Like no one was expecting that. That if you had told me that earlier that season, I would have been like, You're crazy. Um so it does happen and then you have got runs like VCU a couple of years ago or even um, you know, Davidson. No one no one expected those kind of things to happen. So, you know, th- we do get these kind of one-offs. But, you know, is it something where has, – has any team like really just kind of just like surprised you with play or just kind of come out of the blue and you're like, whoa, was it totally expecting that? And do you have to like adjust anything for them? Or is it just the computer tells you what's going to happen? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, the computer doesn't really tell you what's going to happen, but it does give you, I think, the idea is it gives you an idea of – what should happen? Uh, so, you know, you can get a feel for, you know, how big an upset was this particular game or, or you know, was it an upset? I mean, it, the computer at least allows you to get away from, I think, uh, you know, the narratives that, that the media floats out there, which sometimes aren't based on very good analysis. Um, and so, you know, when you have cases like BCU making the Final Four, um, you know, that was a, a pretty incredible run. It mean, really could have easily not even been chosen for the tournament. Um, and, you know, my numbers would have backed it up. I mean, they weren't clearly one of the, say, 40 best teams in the country at the time the tournament began, but they uh, played very well in the tournament, and, uh, you know, won a game in a row and got to the final four. And, um, you know, I think that's the proper use of, of kind of these objective systems is being able to quantify, hey, how unlikely is it that this team wins? Um, and it also, I think, can give you an appreciation for the variability of, of a team's play, uh, which is, you know, kind of what the excitement of the sport is is founded on. I mean, the team that's ranked, say, 50th in the country, they can play like the, you know, even the 10th best team in the country on one, you know, maybe they can play like the 20th best team in the country, you know, three or four nights in a row. And if they, you know, happen to encounter an opposing team or two that plays poorly, uh, you know, they can win uh, games, more games in the tournament than you ever thought. So uh, so it's not really about, you know, the goal here isn't to precisely predict what's going to happen in the future because that's impossible. It's really about doing the best that you can to quantifying, you know, really the current state of affairs in college basketball and, and using that as a, a guide to, um, you know, understanding what's happening going forward.
0: Is doing this full-time now, does it lessen your enjoyment of the sport?
1: Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's definitely... You know, before I went to the subscription model, it was just a wide open free site, maybe be as diligent in keeping everything, uh, you know, accurate uh, as it could be. You know, I mean, not that I wouldn't keep it accurate, but, you know, there would be times, I mean, you know, I remember I would like manually update the site, you know, every night after the games were done. And so, uh, you know, obviously I had a regular job at the time. So if there was a, you know, game that ended after midnight, I mean, I wasn't going to stay up after midnight to update the site. I just wait till the next morning when I got up and, and, and then I did it then. And um now that it's a a, a venture where people are, are paying me money to use it, um I do feel a greater sense of responsibility to to update it quicker and, and make sure that, you know, the pages all work and they're kind of up and running. And so there is a little more administrative overhead uh involved in the site, which is, you know, I don't think something that really anybody enjoys doing, but, you know, it's a pretty small price to pay to be able to essentially, you know, play around with numbers my leisure for a living. I mean, I'm definitely not going to complain about it. It's uh, completely worth the trade-off to be able to do those kind of things and set my own hours and, and you know, really work on whatever projects I want to. So uh, uh, I wouldn't say in general that my enjoyment has is, is really changed all that much.
0: I find it interesting. Um, you went to um, Virginia Tech, which is a rival school, of Virginia. So we know this and we don't need to go into that sort of thing, but they're not known for college basketball. They're starting to get there with the hire of Buzz Williams. And a couple of years ago, they were pretty decent with Steph Greenberg and they made a tournament and they you know, were consistently at least playing better. How does a guy though, because since I know that school fairly well, how does a guy that goes to pretty much a football school, um wind up still really loving college basketball like how do you maintain that because i feel like whenever i talk to friends that are Hokies or just Hokie fans it's kind of like once football ends it's like it shuts down and then they forget that they've got you know that they're in the ACC for basketball and i'm going you have a really good coach like a really good coach and a really good shot at getting some great recruits in the next couple years and building a great program so how did i mean how did you maintain that or you just didn't worry about football at all
1: (laughs) uh i mean you know it's really just my background growing up i mean i i liked basketball you know pretty much for as long as i can remember it's my favorite sport uh you know and i'm also old enough where you know when i went to virginia tech we hadn't quite established ourselves as a football school yet so uh uh, there was still um some interest in basketball. we were actually pretty bad at both sports when i was there but um but you know they, they have had some 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 moments of basketball i will defend the seth greenberg era even though I know a lot of people nationally probably got tired of him coming on TV around tournament time and complaining about Virginia Tech getting snubbed for the tournament. Um, you know, they had some good teams under his watch and uh, probably being able to get Buzz Williams to Blacksburg somehow. Um, you'd like to think that, you know, the team will have some success. I realize you know, coming from the perspective of, of a Virginia fan, uh, Years of success is probably a little bit warped, and you know, and competing for an ACC title is is the only way that uh, we can measure success. But as a humble Virginia Tech fan, we understand, you know, we just we can just get to the tournament. That'll be a good start. Um, but you know, overall, it's just my my interest was always in basketball, and I mean, of course, I'm I keep an eye on the football team as well, and I, I watch football time to time, but. Uh, but I don't know. There's something to be said. I, you know, I don't know what I would do if I, I went to a blood a school and, and rooted for a team that, you know, was a, a top five team every year. I think it would get kind of boring. At least if you're a fan of a team like Virginia Tech, you know, you can do anything from, uh, you know, compete for a conference title perhaps once every 10, 15 years to, uh, you know, as we have in recent seasons, um, you know, struggle to win two or three conference games. So it's it makes it a little bit interesting.
0: Um, I can tell from um being a Virginia fan, it's way more fun to be a winner. Um unless you're facing Michigan State, then it's really sad. Um, so I am just gonna flat out tell you <laughs> I call BS. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's way more fun. Like it's not boring at all <laughs> to be thirty and three. I like it. I love boring basketball. Um, I definitely believe in pack line defense. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that I love about your statistics is that you take tempo huge um, that's something I kept seeing as I was doing my research is that people talk about how you use tempo as one of your guide points and that's become a real kind of debate in college basketball with the now the 30 second shot clock and how much is that going to change the game do you uh,
1: You know I don't know that the, the shot clock will, will have a huge impact on it. Um, we'll know pretty soon I mean the cool thing I think about college basketball I mean the first weekend of the season we're going to have like 250 games being played which is a you know it's like three NBA seasons for one team, So, uh, you know, immediately we're going to have a pretty good idea of uh, the impact uh, that the shot clock will have. Um, Obviously, you know, it can evolve over the course of a season, and, you know, I'm sure there will be ways that it will do that. But if we don't see, you know, bump in scoring uh, this first weekend, you know, we can be fairly certain that the the impact of the shot clock is uh, amazingly small. Um, I I do think uh, we will see scoring get bumped up, though, you know, somewhat significantly three or four points a game maybe this season. Um, so I think it'll push things in the right direction. Uh, it's, You know, it, it's really interesting to me, like, you know, you look at the NBA and kind of what they did, you know, they faced a similar crisis, but it was 20 years ago. I mean, the college game literally is like 20 years behind the NBA, seemingly in, in every innovation. And, you know, apparently, you know, uh, a serious effort now, you know, we thought two years ago maybe it was a serious effort kind of, uh, you know, it, improve uh the way the game was called and, and increase uh scoring in the game and uh only that effort uh died an, an unfortunate death but um apparently we have another serious effort here and i think i think it's gonna i think it's gonna help but um the, the change won't be you know we're not going to transform the game into the way it was say in the you know mid-70s when teams were regularly scoring 80 and 90 points a game and the good are doing that you know it, uh, it was a different game and a I don't think we'll ever get back there, but hopefully we can kind of turn things around and and have more games that are played in the eighties and nineties. I think that's, you know, more fun
0: for the casual fan. I, yeah, I, I would agree. It's despite my, you know, again, Virginia leanings. Um, for Galpall Nation that doesn't know, Virginia loves to just not let anybody score. If uh, We hold an opponent under fifth points. It was a successful game. Um, that's what Virginia's known for. So whenever you hear me throughout the season, Galpall Nation talk about boring basketball, that's what I mean. And, and Virginia's been criticized for it. Um, and I think I'm going to get yelled at by the Wahoos. Um, I think kind of some of it's warranted because, you know, it's great for the regular season that we compete, obviously, at a high level. But then when it comes to tournament time when we need, you know, to to um, shoot, it it doesn't seem like it happens. Um, I'm curious, too, the um, hashtag Shooters Club is something that you've been writing about lately. Um, can you explain it?
1: Yeah. Let me just, like, circle back to, you know, the, the slow play thing. I mean, it's it's pretty easy to, to accept, uh, you know, games in the 50s and 60s when, you know, you're winning 30 games every season. I mean, if you're playing winning basketball, it doesn't matter what pace you're playing at. But, you know, for the rest of the country, uh, you know, if you're, if you are you know, you have a winning season here and there, but you're not consistently winning 30 games, um, you know, it's just not as exciting to watch games that are 60 to 55 all the time, especially if you're not college basketball addicts like, like you know, you and I are. Um, as far as the Shooters Club goes, uh, yes, that was just some little tangent I went on this week, um, trying to predict uh, which college basketball players will shoot um, the highest percentage from behind the three-point last year. Uh, and I, I did it last year. I did it again this year. Uh, you know, basically, you know, again, it's a, kind of a tangent. You know, I'm, I, a lot of times I work on such technical stuff, especially just type of, time of year. It's, you know, it can get a little monotonous trying to, you know, make sure all the schedules are accurate. And and just doing a lot of kind of like uh, you know data entry, you know, over, over the last few weeks. <laughs> I all starting to set in, and uh, so it was just kind of a, a fun diversion to uh, you know, do give me an excuse to do a, a little writing and and um, and do a little modeling on something that is not too serious, but it's kind of fun. And then, you know, over the course of the season, Ramona, I write this week in review every Friday, and uh, a lot of times. I need some material for that column. And so uh, this Shooters Club is also a, a convenient excuse to uh, track these five guys that I chose um, or that the computer chose to, to shoot really well this year. And so every week I can kind of recap what they did and force myself to check kind of five random players in the country and see how they're doing. So uh, so it's not the most serious work. It's not the most groundbreaking work. It's not going to uh, uh, change the course of how, of how uh, people think about basketball, but it was just kind of a little fun thing for me to do this week to uh, break up some of the other more uninteresting tasks that I have to involve in.
0: Feel bad for you but you're paid to um and you found a way to make a living um on your own terms um by being a geek about college basketball so um i don't feel bad for you ever at all because you have the coolest job ever you like prove that math is seriously that we i should have paid more attention to math classes in high school i mean that's exactly what what, you, what you've proven which stinks that you prove it you prove all my algebra teachers right that someday you could potentially use all these equations and you did it um, and again ken i want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, can you tell the um, Galpaw Nation a little bit about your site and some of these things you offer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you get to my site at KenPalm.com. And um, it's just a, a site that for, you know, all things college basketball statistics. It's uh, subscriptions subscription uh, cost $19.95 for 12 months. Get subscriptions are available for that someone in your life as well. The holiday season coming up, that's always a possibility. You can... Also, follow me on Twitter at Ken Pomeroy. Um, it's been really fun being on your podcast, Ramona. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, and again, Galpaw Nation, all the links to KenPom.com and Ken Pomeroy on Twitter and hashtag Shooters Club because it's fun to just write that as a hashtag. It will be on my show notes at blogtalkradio.com forward slash sportsgalpa, of course, on sportsgalpaw.com. And again, I cannot believe that Ken Pomeroy, like seriously, they talk about him on ESPN, Fox Sports, just had a huge column about his analytics. Again, Coach Hay uses you. Like, all these coaches use your site. And it's crazy to me. And he's like, sure, I'll come on your podcast. Like, you know, no big deal. And he's such a nice guy. So, again, Gal Planation, make sure you check him out. If you do have any college basketball nuts in your household, um, because, again, I'm one of those Ken's. Last year, my poor husband, you know, you should feel bad for him. I would tell him, like, on Saturdays, I'm like, honey, we can't do anything. I'm just going to make chicken wings, and we're going to stay home and watch all the basketball. And he had to suffer through that. Isn't that awful? I'm a horrible wife.
1: (sighs) I don't know. Sounds like a good plan to me.
0: And and just is there's nothing better because what else are you gonna do in the winter? Like go outside? No, um, you know. So again, for all those people who are like, oh, basketball, especially college basketball. College basketball is phenomenal. It's the best sport out there. It's my absolute favorite sport. The fans are crazy. The rivalries are awesome. It doesn't get any better than when like a Duke, UNC go at it each other. You know, watch over Ohio State and Michigan this year. They're gonna be really good. Um, it's just absolutely fantastic. And if you want deep insights into how your team's doing and really honestly if you want to feel better to know that science is behind you unlike the evil folks at espn who have virginia ranked as number five um and maryland number one that's wrong ken on so many levels because you have them ranked number 24 i'm perfectly okay with that um definitely make sure to check out his site and again ken thank you so much for coming on i know you're super busy getting ready for the season and i really appreciate it all
1: right thanks it was fun romana Thanks
0: for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast and be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.